Hello, everyone. It's G3, and I hope you're having a great holiday season. At this time of year, Jordi Visser and I have just one more important thing left on our minds to discuss before we close out the year. And that, of course, is the Kentucky Derby, also known as the Run for the Roses or the most exciting two minutes in sports. Now, why are we going to devote our final episode of 2022 to the Derby? Well, that's easy. It's because the race is only 127 days away, and there's nothing like the Derby to prime you for thinking about the markets heading into the upcoming year. So check important disclosures at the end of the episode, pour yourself some mint julep flavored eggnog if you'd like, and get ready to hear Jordy's preliminary analysis on next year's race. And with that, welcome. All right. We are recording our last episode of the year. Can't believe it. Very, very exciting. First off, Jordy, how was your holiday? It was great. Excellent. I enjoyed it. Glad to hear it. What did Santa Claus bring you? <laughs> Santa brought me a good sleep score. Ah, that's excellent. <laughs> How good of a sleep score. Well, the ironic thing, I stayed up a little later than I normally do, which is not always the case because I still got up and worked out on, on Christmas. So I figured I'd, I'd be tired late, but I did stay up a little bit later, but I came in uh, above 90. So oh my God. to go at a different sleep and go through it means I probably had couple extra glasses of wine, which helped me get to sleep. I know a lot of people don't think they get a good sleep if they have wine. And I think everyone's differently. For me, it does not have an impact. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. I still haven't cracked 90, but I'm getting ever so closer. I feel like it's going to happen. Well, spend the time, as I said, going through each of the analytics, like sleep rhythm, sleep efficiency, breathing rate, all that stuff. And if you target those things, and get them better, going to bed at the same time, all of that. If you target those data points, you can crack 90 one day. Going to bed at the same time, a very, very difficult task. Another difficult task that you take on with great joy every year is analyzing the Kentucky Derby. And that process happens long before the actual running of the race. And I know that your preparation has already begun. And because you and I both share a love of the Derby and an appreciation for how the analysis of horse racing is so comparable in so many ways to looking at the markets. And it's such a really cool frame. And I have to say, I, in preparation for this episode, I rewatched last year's Derby and I also watched a video, by the way, of Larry Kalmus calling the race, and it was incredible to watch his reaction. Before we get into the work that you are doing, let me just ask you, are we ever going to see a race that topped Rich Strike's incredible win? I mean, is it even possible? Well, it's very unlikely. There will be long shots. I mean, at 80 to 1, I was at Mind That Bird, which was somewhere you know, around 50 to 61. Giacomo, I was at Churchill Downs for both of those. So a horse winning from way off the pace, which is what all three of those horses did, is possible and will happen again. The thing that makes Rich Strike so unique is that the horse was not in the race as of Friday. So my derby paper that I write and send out on Friday did not even have an analysis of the eventual winner. So that's where I think that is highly unlikely for all of that to occur. A horse at 80 to 1 who doesn't get in until 
the day before. And oh, by the way, wins their maiden race in the Churchill Downs. I, I don't think any of that will happen again. <laughs> Truly, truly extraordinary. All right. Well, hopefully it'll be a great race. And I do know it's early, but as we enter the true home stretch of the year here and the Derby is still a ways out, can you just give everyone some insights as to what is happening at this stage? Well, first, I want to convert what you just asked in terms of what we do in the markets, because to say it's early, everyone has written Outlook papers. Outlook papers are for next year. The Derby is in five months. So what we're going to discuss today is an outlook. There's over 100 horses eligible for the Kentucky Derby, which will get whittled down to 20. I would say there are, for people forecasting, there's going to be a recession next year. We just had 2 million jobs created over the last six months. To call for a recession at this point is a forecast that is assuming there's going to be a change in all that. And I think as we go through the derby stuff over the next five months, which I know we're going to, you'll ask me questions often on this. I think people should be who are interested in the derby. It's a perfect time to spend some time learning about it. So right now there are very few races where points are attached. So there's a point system for the Kentucky Derby. You have to make it in for sure. Well, to make it in, you have to have a certain amount of points or on the overall leaderboard. And right now, very few of the races are offering points. And if they are, there's not too many points. So as we keep going month to month, the point system will get higher and higher. The prep races will get more important. But for the time being, it's really more about me watching the races, the point system doesn't matter as much. So I'm trying to whittle down the hundred based on looking at what they look like each time they race. And so are you looking at speed ratings and things like that type of running and and all that? Yeah. So I will look at speed ratings. The only thing to me that I care about with speed ratings, because they're going to be fairly low at this point. These horses are still young. Most of them have, you know, they're either racing for the first time or they've raced a few times. The trend has been that a lot of the Derby winners haven't even raced in as a two-year-old. That was never the case until recently. So you're trying to get a sense as to how good this crop is. And so the speed ratings matter, but it's the qualitative side for me that I care about, which can be defined as how they look, tactical speed. I'm looking for horses that when they're on the screen and they're getting into place, all of a sudden you see them push button, be able to move very, very quickly. That type of thing. It would be like an NBA player. When you start seeing Cam Reddish for the Knicks, who can't get off the bench, everyone knows he's talented because the eye test is he's just very athletic and he can move very seamlessly. He's got great body control. But the reality is somewhere within his heart, it's not there. And that's the other part of the eye test I'm looking for, which is the fight. How much are they fighting? Because at the end of a race or once they get into place, are they able to hold a lead? So this time is really about getting pattern recognitions on the horses so that I have a sense as to who's special and who's not. And this has worked really well for me over the years. When do things change and when do you start crunching numbers and become more quanty in your approach? That'll start in the beginning of the year. I would say the first time that I really start caring more about data than the qualitative side is when we get into March. And the reason is they're running most of their races right now at less than a mile. There's a few races that are more and some of these horses have raced more than a mile, but eventually they're going to have to go a mile and a quarter. So you're separating the sprinters from the horses that can extend that far. And at this time of year, even if you have a horse that's bred and you think it's going to be more of a sprinter, 
most of the owners are still looking for the chance that they could be able to get the horse to make it to a mile and a quarter. Speed has been a big thing with horses and breeding has changed to where they've emphasized speed on the sire side and stamina on the dam side. And that leads to something that you really want to see the data as they go further. So beginning in March, I will start to actually start writing it down. The other thing that happens in March is you've whittled the field down more and you've started to get the top 10 horses. By the time you get into the end of March, you pretty much know the 10 best horses that will be in the Derby because no one's going to start racing after that point. So by the end of March, you kind of know what the best horses are going to be or the ones with the best chance of winning. And then you can focus as well on their mental toughness and some of those other little signs that you know to look for that indicate this horse can be a great horse or this horse is probably not going to rise to the occasion, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, for the baseball cards we have here, I spend a lot of time on behavioral biases and analytics that look for the way human beings make decisions. Well, horses absolutely have behavioral biases too. You'll hear an announcer or a trainer say the horse is very green. And generally what that means is it's still having trouble with its running style in terms of changing leads. It's having trouble with veering out when it gets in the home stretch. It can't get out of the gate well. There's a lot of things which are basically immaturity, which sometimes horses never get out of and it prevents them from winning because you have to have everything go extremely well to win a Kentucky Derby and any little setback is a problem. So I can remember spending time on horses that gradually improved and loved their behavioral decision-making. Animal Kingdom was one that stood out to me as a horse that the first time I saw it, it just had an impact on me on how strong the horse looked coming down its final prep race and winning and went off at decent odds. So you're looking for kind of the behavioral biases of horses that really look like they're ready to go. I will tell you, I've already seen this horse Forte, which right now is one of the two favorites, has looked fantastic from a behavioral bias perspective. The horse has accomplished a lot of things, which I would say in most recent years, derby horses haven't been able to accomplish coming further off the lead. Most of the time when you're getting into the earlier prep races, your horses are going to the lead and staying there. Forte has been kind of a unique animal in being able to come from behind. And I thought the Breeders' Cup Juvenile was a very impressive race. And I actually think it's probably the second best horse in the race that day. Got the better of the trip. But the horse in the race before, which was the Futurity in Keeneland, also another one. And impressive speed ratings on the horse. So I'm spending a lot of time looking not only at the little data we have now, but the behavioral biases and looking for horses that are already mature. I saw that there were a bunch of Bob Baffert trained horses at Futurity. So he's back. Well, he's never left. This is a Kentucky Derby suspension. <laughs> so these horses, because he's training them now, they get no points towards the Kentucky Derby. So this is the negative that they have, meaning the longer he's training them in these races, they can't get points. So Cave Rock, which is a Baffert horse who finished second, would have received Derby points for that race, but can't. And so like last year, the horses that got in from Baffert were the ones that had enough points in the final race. They won their prep race or they got enough. And I think it was Tim Yachtin that trained all of them for that race. And that's what allowed him to get horses into the race. So we still have the Baffert suspension. <laughs> I see. Okay. That helps. So I guess it's too early to say whether or not there's a flight line in the making there. You mentioned Forte. Any other names come to mind? So let's break it down 
there will be horses that race in January and February that haven't raced yet that we haven't seen. There are horses out there that have a lot of fanfare. One horse that's only raced once, which raced in November on the Breeders' Cup card was Arabian Night. That's another Baffert horse. So Arabian Night was purchased for $2.3 million. The horse looked phenomenal in its race. And I don't just mean by winning the race easily, which it wasn't, you know, stacked with great horses. He's going to have to step up in class and start racing against in some prep races, which a lot of these other horses have already raced in graded stakes races. But the horse of all the ones I've seen, if there was going to be a, as you call it, a flight line or a super horse, it would be at this point Arabian Night, just based on what I saw and the speed rating it got. Outside of Baffert and outside of Forte, because I mentioned Cave Rock for Baffert and Forte, which is, I think, trained by Todd Pletcher. You have a lot of Brad Cox horses, which to me have in, impressed me. And more importantly, the ones that I just spoke about, they're odds right now because there are odds in Vegas on the horses. So just to give you an idea of how this plays out, Forte ranges between 10 to 1 and 15 to 1 at various places. Cave Rock is slightly higher in the 15 to 1 to 20 to 1. And Arabian Night, Believe it or not, with only one race, it was that impressive that as low as 10 to 1 and also at 15 to 1, so kind of co-favorite with Forte. The best Brad Cox horse who just reportedly had an injury, which might delay it for a while, is Loggins. I really like the way the horse looked in the races. The question is, is the injury going to set him back too far that he won't be able to make it? Giant Mischief is 35 to 1-ish. Horse has been very impressive. Finished second in its most recent race, but I like the way the horse looks. Not sure it's going to get up to the level of the horses I mentioned up there. And then a couple of long shots from Brad Cox, or at least one. Like if I had to give long shots at this point, there's a horse victory formation, which is only raced twice, I believe. And that horse in Vegas is up at 100 to 1. Another one that's only raced, I think, once, point proven. Oh, no, that one's raced three times. And the reason that one, it lost its first, came in third in its second, and then won when it finally stretched out. This is a gunrunner cult, and I really liked the way the horse looked. You very seldom see a horse finish seventh in its first race, which is where I think it finished, and then not win its second race and still win the Derby. But at the odds, which I think are close to 150 to one, I think that one could improve as the distance go out because I really liked the way it looked, and it won on Churchill Downs. The Brad Cox horses, by the way, Almost all of them have won at Churchill Downs, and that's another thing you're looking for. So there's a lot of horses so far that I think are impressive. Most of them are in the Pletcher barn, the Baffert barn, and the Brad Cox barn, but we'll see more. But to be clear, though, these odds are going to move around a lot, right, as the racing schedule picks up next year, right? Right now, the reason the favorite is 10 to 1 is because you've got over 100 horses that could be starting in the Derby gate. So for people who believe, if you believe Arabian Nights going to, make it to the Derby. If the horse makes it to the Derby based on the race it looked like, that means it's going to have to win prep races. So it'll be an odds that are most likely under 10 to one. So for people that like to bet futures odds on things, this is a good time if you see them. And that's why I said, there's not a lot of people I think that are watching these horses. You last year, and we didn't talk about this, but I noticed something in the Preakness and the Belmont last year. And I think you and I talked about it because we had the misfortune of being in New Jersey and <laughs> betting in New Jersey was very, very oh, challenging. Very hard. The whole thing went down. But this is the first year, given the fact that it was the first year that I opened an account to be able to bet on these other races, that I felt the odds in the Preakness and the Belmont were just completely off. My derby horse last year, Mo Donegal, 
who was best suited, in my opinion, for the Belmont and did win the Belmont, I was able to get him at much better odds than I should have. And the horse, I think it's, I forget all, something voting. I can't remember who. Early voting? Early voting. Yeah, yeah won the Preakness. I had the exact in that race with early voting on top and the horse should have been less than two to one. And I forget where he went, but I'm going to say six to one or something like that. So I think the fan duel world of bringing, opening the gambling more and more to more people, I think people should pay a little bit more attention to the Derby in this podcast, because regardless of whether you agree with the horse I select, I'm telling you, you're going to get some data here that you won't get in other places. I agree, obviously, but just to underscore the point, it's a good thing that these odds are way off. Yeah. It's good for people who take the time and go through it. There's basically more inefficiencies in horse racing at this point than I've seen. And my father, I think I've told the story on the podcast before, but my father basically taught me handicapping at effectively the Meadowlands, which, and harness racing, which was pretty much the Churchill Downs or the main thing of the harness world where a lot of professional gamblers were. And so the odds, if they ever got out of whack, they'd get back into whack. They'd get back in line. And then he took me down to Pompano after I had learned how to handicap. And this was down in Florida. And he's like, what do you notice about the odds? I'm like, this horse would have been the favorite at the Meadowlands. I don't understand. He's like, that's because look around. And you've got a lot of old people and you got a lot of tourists, not a big handle. And he said, if you brought all the gamblers down here and they bet, the odds would all go down because they'd be betting more money than the handle that's there. So I started to learn a lot about the concept of value, which I write about in the paper. But it's the same way I take that approach towards the economy, towards the market, towards the way people are, which is everyone has a view on what's going to happen next year. You got to find consensus and what the favorite is. And if you do the work and you think it's most where the surprises are going to be and where there's value, that's where you focus your attention. So I do think it's a better time for people who put the time in for horse racing on at least the triple crown. We have so much data. Wouldn't it be cool if Aura came out with a ring for horses? <laughs> I, I don't think it would fit on the hoof, but I, I hear what you're saying. You could use the sleep score as part of your information, throw it into your model. What I'll do is I'll buy a whoop because that has a higher <laughs> probability of, of getting around the horse's ankle and then we'll see what happens. All right. Well, listen, we're going to check back in on this because I want to pursue this further and we have time now to really examine it in the lead up to the race. So thank you so much, Jordan. Thanks, G3. This podcast should not be reproduced, copied, distributed, or published in whole or in part. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only. The views expressed herein are subject to change without notice. Information in this podcast is based on data regarding current market conditions from sources believed to be reliable. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, legal, tax, or other advice and should not be viewed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. You should consult your own advisors regarding business, legal, tax, or other matters concerning investment. Any health-related information shared on this podcast is not intended as medical advice or for use in self-diagnosis or treatment. Please consult a qualified healthcare professional before acting upon any health-related information on this podcast. Please review related show notes for this podcast and visit www.gwise.com to review related disclosures 
and learn more about Weiss.